Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and we want to praise you so much that you are the living God. Father, we want to thank you that you speak day and night. Father, we want to thank you that you have a word for us tonight. Father, we want to thank you that it is not stories that we make up or myths that we imagine, but Almighty God, we want to thank you that through your Holy Spirit you have given us the Scriptures. And Father, it is the Scriptures that we bring to your altar this evening. And Father, it is our prayer that you would speak through your scriptures. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the title of my short address tonight is called Unnecessary Nightmares. Uh, many years ago, I fell in love with the play Othello by Shakespeare. And one of the reasons why I love going to Armenia uh, is because, of course, uh, you know, here in England, if you start talking about Shakespeare plays, people might get lost quite quickly. But not in Armenia. They all know their literature very well. They're Tolstoy, they're Dostoevsky, they're Pushkin, you know, boom, 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 boom. They, they know it all. And they certainly know their Shakespeare and they certainly know Othello. Oh, what a story, huh? And Sherlock Holmes, well, he's a good man too. <laughs> what a story, Othello. That great black army general. The Colin Powell of his day. The victorious general married to that beautiful white lady, Desdemona. So happily married. And then along comes Iago. And he fills poor Othello's mind with doubt. Doubts about Desdemona's purity. And before long, Othello enters a nightmare. The nightmare of doubt about his wife's faithfulness. You don't have to translate this, it's Shakespeare, but if you can translate it, respect. Okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> Farewell, the tranquil mind. Farewell, content, he says. <laughs> then he... Then he abandons love for vengeance. All my fond love thus do I blow to heaven. Tis gone. Arise, black vengeance, from thy hollow cell. And then his nightmare ends, as we all know, with him murdering his innocent sleeping wife. 
Yes, she must die, else she'll betray more men. Put out the light, and then put out the light, he says. You all remember that scene, don't you? And there she is, innocent Desdemona, and he suffocates her. Then you remember Amelia, Iago's own wife, she comes in and she tells him the truth that Desdemona had been completely pure. And then Iago's pain, I mean it's so intense. I mean not Othello's pain, Othello's pain. Othello's pain. Again, you don't have to translate this. Oh, cursed, cursed slave, whip me, ye devils, from the possession of this heavenly sight. Blow me about in winds, roast me in sulfur, wash me in steep down gulfs of liquid fire. Oh, Desdemona, dead, Desdemona, dead, oh, oh. By this time, the whole theater should be in tears, but you're forgiven. <laughs> Othello, the very word just means a nightmare, a nightmare for a noble man. But what sort of a nightmare? An unnecessary nightmare. And all of us, all of us can fall victims to unnecessary nightmares. I want to be very clear here, there are in life many real nightmares. Today is National Holocaust Day. You have your special day in April. Those are real nightmares. I'm not talking about those sort of nightmares tonight. I'm saying that sometimes in life unnecessary nightmares come along. And I believe we have a good example of an unnecessary nightmare at the end of Luke chapter 2. If you could turn there in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. The story of Jesus staying behind in the temple. Shall I read in English and you read it? Okay, all right. <laughs> Brother Edward will read it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Brother Tom will read in English. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up 
according to custom. Luke 2, 14. And I've just read the first two verses, 42 and 43. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And he said to them, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. Amen. Amen. I think the truth in this passage is this. Unnecessary nightmares for the Christian are caused by a lack of faith in who Jesus really is. I think we see this truth at the beginning of the story, in the background of the story. We see it as the story builds up in its intensity. And we certainly see it at the end of the story when Jesus exposes uh, really what's going on. Let's briefly look at these three uh, stages. 
First of all, look at the background to the story. In verses 41 and 42. You will notice at the beginning of the, the, the story, you'll see that there's a lot of emphasis on the routine. Every year they go up to Jerusalem. And so when Jesus is 12 years old, they go up according to custom. Every year this happens. The whole village goes up to Jerusalem. It's a routine, it's custom, it always happens. And then verse 43, the feast finishes, and then they're all going to come back. And here we get the twist in the story. Every year they go up according to custom, every year they come back according to custom. We like that, don't we? We like routine. Every morning we come to church, da, 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 we, get back. We, we like routine. And Joseph and Mary have got so used to it that, you know, we're coming back together. But Jesus Christ is not a man who always follows your routine. He stays behind. Excuse me, what's going on? We go together, we come back together. What do you mean he's staying behind? He stays behind. And I think the parents, they got so used to the routine, they didn't even bother looking for him when it was time to go. They just assume that he... Jesus will follow their routine. And Jesus, I'm afraid, isn't like that. He stays behind in Jerusalem. I'm sure as a young 12-year-old, he had business plans for that carpentry business. I'm sure he was thinking of computerizing Joseph and you know, pushing that business in Nazareth to be the number one carpentry place around. I'm sure a part of Jesus wanted to get back to Nazareth get back to normal life. But Jerusalem has a stronger, greater claim on his life. 
His life is not going to be about Nazareth. His life is not going to be about that carpentry business. His life is all going to be about Jerusalem. And he stays behind in Jerusalem. But the poor parents, they, don't, they, they, they haven't even checked it out with him. You see, that's the background to the nightmare. Assuming that Jesus will follow your routine and be with you. I mean, that's his job, isn't it? He'll always be with us. He's meant to be with me. I can go to Nazareth. I can go wherever I like. He's just got to come with me. Isn't that the deal? Especially after I've been up to Jerusalem, especially after I've been to ICF, he better will jolly well come back with me. I mean, I went to ICF, so he should come back with me, right? So the background, the background to the nightmare is when we forget that Jesus does not necessarily follow our routine. If we are Christians, if we are walking with Jesus, we have to be ready for the unexpected. And we have to realize that as Christians, Jerusalem the temple, the place of sacrifice, is always going to have a stronger claim on our lives than Nazareth and the place of business. And if we forget that, you've got the makings of an unnecessary nightmare. Because the, because the truth of this passage is that unnecessary nightmares for the Christian are caused by a lack of faith in who Jesus really is. That's the background to the nightmare. Now we move on to the intensity. And it really is intense. In verse, four, in verse 44, First of all, they're just all going along, having a lovely, happy time, and then they suddenly realize, hey, well, where's Jesus? We haven't seen him for a day or so. So they just assume they're with auntie so-and-so or uncle so-and-so. It's not a big deal. You know, Mary is not sweating at all. But by the end of the day, they have searched everywhere in the Nazarene party. It was a little bit, a little bit like the football game yesterday. I went up on the M6. And all these bands were coming up from Havant and um, what were they? Havant and Waterloo or something. I mean, you know, what a wonderful occasion. Havant and Waterloo going up to Anfield in Liverpool. They're all there on the M6. 
Եվ այս ժամանակ փնտրում են նրանց հարազատներ։ Մեր դեռ ամեն էլ ուրախ են, բայց նրան չեն գտում։ Մեկ քիչ նմանում է երեկվա ֆուտբոլի խումբեր, որ հավնտից եւ ոթլուից աշտում էին Լիվերպուլ իրանց խումբին ոգեորելու։ And you know, I'm sure they were all mixed up with each other and they were all in different bands and so it wouldn't be a big deal if, you know, Bahram wasn't sitting next to me on the way back. You get the idea. But then it, it really dawns on them, you know, he's not around. He really is not around. And now the nightmare builds up in intensity. First of all, picture them walking back to Jerusalem. Still sort of looking even on the way back or maybe imagining that you'd be coming around the corner, but no. And what thoughts are going through their minds? They must have been worrying and worrying and worrying. Maybe he's just staying at the hotel. But then, no, no, maybe he's been kidnapped by a gang. No, he's gone to Auntie so-and-so in Jerusalem. He's okay there. No, no maybe he's with the beggars in the bazaar and something crazy has happened. They're worrying all the time on the way back. Then they get back into Jerusalem. You've seen those Middle Eastern bazaars. Just thousands and thousands of faces coming at you. And you can see them scanning all the faces, just looking, looking at all the boys, looking, going up. Just the, the, all the crowds just coming past them, but no Jesus. Street after street they go, asking questions, looking into every shop, no Jesus. One day goes by. One day was a thousand years. They get up in the morning, they're too sick with worry to have breakfast and they start searching all over again. Two days go by. Three days go by. It was just a nightmare. I think, you know, all of us parents have had times when just, just for a few brief moments, you know, we've lost our toddlers. I remember once having some friends, it was the morning service, and we went out for a walk at the, the park at Hogarth, uh, the, the, the park just over there. My two children, Yasser and Bahram, were younger, much younger, toddlers. And the, the, our friends had kids, and on the way back, they ran on ahead of us. So normal, it happens to all of us. And then suddenly, they weren't there. One moment they're just playing ahead of us and then gone. I can still remember all the thoughts that went through my mind. The best was that they'd fallen over and scratched their knees. That would have been heaven. Then I thought, no, they've been run over. 
Then I thought, no, it's no, no. They're two good-looking kids because most, you know, the two-looking kids, the pedophiles have got them. And I saw them tied up in the back of a van, and they were preparing horrible tortures for them. Losing your children. And then we saw, and just all the pain just drains away. Joseph and Mary on the third day they saw him. I'm going to come back to the third day. But what we clearly see here is the author is saying, look, something stupid has been happening. It's like when they split the screens on the TV. On one side of the screen, you've got Joseph and Mary frantically looking for Jesus. On the other half of the screen, you've got Jesus perfectly all right, in the temple, happy, healthy, chatty, everything fine. So the scripture is saying, why the distress? What's the problem? And the problem, of course, is in Joseph and Mary's mind. Who is Jesus? Is he just a normal 12-year-old? Is he the sort of character who's just going to go running off immediately with the roughest people in Jerusalem to start working out how the mafia works there? Who is Jesus? I, um, my daughter Yasna, she, she turned 18 in August. And since then I've had a few rough nights. Because sometimes she wouldn't come back at the hour the father of Cinderella said, you must be back. Boom. And then one minute after she's not back. If you got inside of my head then you would, well, it was terrible. I'm thinking, has she dressed up so sexily that she's been abducted? Has somebody slipped something into her drinks? Is she being chased along dark alleyways in Guildford? But you know what the root problem is? Root problem is dad. Who is Yasna? Yasna Is she a sensible girl? Yes or no? And once you've settled, no, she's okay, she's a sensible girl, then... You, well, you don't sleep, actually, until you hear the door go click. But you, but you relax a bit. And so the question for Joseph and Mary is, 
Who is Jesus? Why were you worrying so much? And who is his real father? And so it, it comes back that really their worry, their nightmare was absurd. As soon as they realize he's not in the traveling lot, he's yep. obviously going to be in the temple. So that's what the intensity of the story and the absurdity of the story, it shows us the same truth, that unnecessary nightmares for the Christian are caused by a lack of faith in who Jesus really is. And that's exactly what we see at the end of the story. There are two levels to their distress. The first level is him just not being there. And that is sorted out as soon as they see him. As soon as they see him, that finishes. And I said I'd come back to the third day. And the truth of the passage is this. That whatever our nightmare, unnecessary or real, just as in this story, in all human stories, there is a third day. They saw him on the third day. And that was all they needed. They needed to see him. They didn't need some long course on successful Christian living. They didn't need loads of counseling. They just needed to see Jesus. And for us Christians, there is a fixed law. It is as certain as the law of gravity. It's more real than the fact that we are sitting and breathing here tonight. That unnecessary nightmares and real nightmares will not have the final say for the Christian. There is a third day. There is a resurrection. Jesus Christ died and rose on the third day. The, the law for the Christian is that all nightmares will come to an end. But that's just dealing with one level. There's a second level to this nightmare. Which explains why it's unnecessary. And Mary is quite blunt about it. 
Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. You know, when you see the Jesus film, you know the Jesus film, the old one, and Mary so sweetly comes in the temple. Da, 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 then they all go off together like this. You really think it was like that? Jesus film image mikich urish seven twist well as mas merin galis e kaxuren hisusin kozma va vor degesel ev amen zer zerki bnats eshtumen she's been looking for him for 3 days yerek or khelagarvats phndrum e vortun she is completely beside herself molorvats khelagarvats she would have been howling and crying and she's furious with him shat barkatsatsa boratsela kanchela latsela it's not, you've made us a little bit worried, I'm so sorry, now let's go back home to school. It's not that at all, it's, Jesus, you've caused us three days of hell! That's what it is. It's not, why did you mistreat us? Mistreat, what a horrible clear. It's not, it's, why did you give us nightmare? Why did you do it? It's, it's full of emotion. We've been good parents, we've brought you to the Passover, we've given you ba, 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 and now you go and do this? And then the row gets even worse. What do you think Mary is expecting? What would you be expecting if you'd lost your kid for three days and then you find him all happy and, you know, just having a lovely time in the temple, you know, eating the chocolates? What would you think? I think you'd want, sorry, mum. It's not a single sorry on Jesus' lips. I mean, his reply is enough to make Coronation strip, uh, Street script writers imagine where the drama's coming from. He's, you know, she's coming at him, powerful Middle Eastern woman. Jesus, he comes back at her. Why are you, were you looking at me? It's a good old row going on here in the temple. Why were you looking for me? And wait a minute, he's got a point. If you take your kids somewhere, and then you decide to leave, who's meant to check who is with who? I can tell you for free, my kids never, they sometimes pull me on the arm saying, you know, we want to go. But they never, ever just go by themselves until we tell them it's time to leave ICF. They left without him. That's the bottom line. They just assumed he'd come with them. I mean, poor guy, he might have been in the loo. <laughs> how is he, he, he supposed to know that they've gone? Goes to the loo, comes out, has a chat with a mate, boom, 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 doesn't see his mum and dad, okay, we haven't left yet, hangs around. 
And here we have classic human nature, huh? They've left without him. They're to blame. But who are they blaming? They're blaming Jesus. And nothing has changed after 2,000 years. We assume that Jesus has to follow us with our plans. We leave the temple. We don't ask him if he wants to come with us or not. We don't even tell him we're going. We set off down the M4. We go to do whatever we're going to do. And suddenly we realize Jesus isn't really in our lives. Who's to blame? Things start going wrong. And we blame Jesus. That's human nature. That's human nature. And actually here it gets worse. Not only have they left him in the temple, they haven't tweaked where he's going to be when they realize they've lost him. They've forgotten who Jesus is. They've forgotten he's the Son of God. They've forgotten. They should have realized that at the age of 12, special things are going to be happening to Jesus. Just 12 years ago, what was happening to Joseph and Mary? Well, if you remember, we, we had shepherds, we had angels, we had wise men, we had Simeon, we had Anna. I mean, they had every charismatic firework in the first century Palestinian book. Bang, 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 bang at them. They should have realized that Jesus was a special kid. Twelve years. They've forgotten. Twelve years. How many years for you? How many years for me? How many years? You remember when Jesus was so real for you? You remember when he was, he was real for you. He was really real for you. He was talking to you. He had words for you. You sensed his love. You really felt his love. You knew him. You really knew him. And then the years go by. And you just come to the temple and you go back to the temple. And it's all become so ordinary. Jesus stays in the temple. Jesus stays at the place of sacrifice. Jesus stays on the narrow road. Jesus' eyes are fixed on Jerusalem. There is a place of sacrifice. And those who walk with Jesus are walking to that place of sacrifice. That's where he is. That's where the resurrection is. That's where his presence is. 
And so that is why we have these unnecessary nightmares. Just like Mary and Joseph, we forget who Jesus really is. As I've made plain from the start of this sermon, this is not a sermon about real nightmares. It's about unnecessary nightmares. The message of the passage is that all nightmares will come to an end. But it is possible as Christians to enter into unnecessary nightmares. When we forget who Jesus is, when we forget that he stays in Jerusalem, and when we forget that he is really a very straightforward, sincere man. He wasn't playing with his parents. He wasn't manipulating them. He just stayed in the temple waiting for them. Jesus isn't, isn't dealing with us in, in some manipulative way. Sure, there are lots of things that happen we don't fully understand. But as C.S. Lewis wrote when his wife Joy died, he asked that question, is God a cosmic sadist? Is God the eternal vivisector? Is that the God who really is there behind it all? And the answer from this story is no, 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 Jesus just stayed behind in the temple. He's not a sadist. He's not manipulative. He's faithful. Sincere. Straightforward. And uh, that is who he is. And sure, there'll be some nightmares. I'm sure we all have to have. But let's remember this story. The scripture warns us we don't have to have unnecessary nightmares. Jesus can be trusted. He's still in the temple. Because, of you remember, just a few years after that, he had to go to Jerusalem and he had to stay at that temple. He can be trusted. He stayed in Jerusalem then, he stayed in Jerusalem now. He has stayed at that cross. He stayed at the cross, in the cross and the resurrection. That is where Jesus is. 
Այն ժամանակ Երուսաղեմ մնաց, հիմա էլ Երուսաղեմ ու մեն նա խաչի վրա մնաց, նա իր զողը տվավորով հեղեր դա է Հիսուսը։ Եվ մինչև Let's just search our hearts and let's just ask ourselves. Is your Christianity, is my Christianity routine? But am I really staying where Jesus is staying? Maybe you've gone back to Nazareth. Jerusalem is just something you should do once a year. But you're missing Jesus. You want Jesus. You want to experience Jesus again. Why don't you just say in your heart, I'm coming back to the temple. I'm coming back to that place of sacrifice. I've allowed Nazareth's things to clutter my life up. I don't want them anymore. I want to come back to Jerusalem. Father, we want to pray that you'd give us the grace to stay with Jesus tonight. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for this powerful message that we heard tonight. There is no need for me to add anything to it. Because we heard tonight that we have to cut away from unnecessary uh, things. We are in gratitude for our brother Tom. And I believe that the Lord talked with our hearts. To search ourselves to see whether we still have Jesus with us or we've left him behind. It was a very effective message. It has had a very positive effect on Brother Edward and he is sure that likewise with every one of you. I want us to continue our attitude of prayer by a song which exists both in English and in Armenian. The words of the song say, Lord, open my eyes so that I can see you, open my ears so that I can always hear you. And let every one of us with our hearts mean this when we sing this song. Please be upstanding.
I want to invite Brother Vartan to come forward. Uh, to pray in his connection, and every one of us we want to unite with him. Uh, we are very privileged that we have a variety of men of God who have different gifts. I story of Parthamis Misatink. Today we had an example in Brother Tom. The following week we are going to hear the message from our Brother Sam. And the week after we have the privilege to hear from Brother Vartan. Not that he knows it yet, but... Yes, Matt, Iran, he said It's just a reminder for him. Urema, his love for... How nice it is when we have such treasures given to us from the Lord in a small church as this one is. We have wonderful men of God to uh, open the word of God for us. Praise the Lord for our prayer is that whatever that we heard today we will remember and not be like Mary and Joseph. Heavenly Father, it is wonderful to be in your holy presence. You have said in your word how sweet it is when brothers and sisters come together. 
And as a result, you bring your anointing and blessings, right? But our prayer is that we will take you home with us in our in your in our hearts. We have to be reminded that we, without you we can do nothing. We can go to many places, but if we don't take you with us, our work will be futile. And you have said that without you, we will not increase in numbers, but instead we will become scattered. According to your word, Lord, we ask you to bless us where you have put us to serve. For us to be faithful in the task that you have given us. But to discard that which you haven't committed to us. We are in gratitude to you because your word is living for us daily. We are grateful to you that through your powerful word you are doing mighty works in our hearts. We come to you in gratitude and we praise you for your eternal words. And with joy we say, let your word take root in our hearts and be fruitful. Amen. And we are mindful to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we're going to have tea and coffee, let us depart singing this song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus.